You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Today we are going to continue our series on Galatians. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible, we are going to continue today in Galatians chapter 3. Carissa already mentioned part of the reason why, but as I was talking to Brother John and Tricia this morning, I love Mother's Day. I really, really do. But as a pastor, as a pastor, it's a little bit complicated. It is a little bit complicated because our mothers and our fathers, kids and everybody, there's always a lot of emotions that come along with Mother's Day. Some of you here this morning, it's going to be an emotional day because your mom is not here. This may be the first Mother's Day that you've ever spent without your mother. That's hard to deal with. I don't know what that's like, but unless I die first, one day I will. Some of you are here this morning, and you may be wondering, is it ever going to be your time to be a mother? Some of you may be here this morning, and it may be past your time, and you came to the grips that you will never be a biological mother. Some of you may be here this morning, and you wish you wish that you had your kids with you like some of these other women. And it could go on, and it could go on, and it could go on. The point is that it is an emotional day, and I understand that. So I've got a difficult task this morning. And I've also got a difficult task because in years past, I've always tried to pick a mother out of the Bible. And praise the Lord, Carissa felt led to do that this morning. There's plenty to choose from. But I didn't want to do that today. I didn't feel led to do that today because I think in the times we live, I think this book of Galatians is so very important to go through. And I didn't want to, didn't want to break the chain as we're studying through this. So I'm going to attempt today to continue our series of the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. And I want, want to continue showing what the Apostle Paul and the churches of Galatia were dealing with years ago. But there's something else that's complicated because as I study these epistles, I also believe Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4 are probably one of the most difficult to, to unpack of the whole New Testament. So I'm going to attempt to do that today, and I'm also going to attempt to put a Mother's Day spin on it as well. And I hope you leave here today with a better understanding of just how wonderful the gospel is, what the true gospel is. And I also want you to leave here knowing how special our mothers are as well. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3, but we've based all this on Galatians chapter 6. And I really believe it all comes down to this about deception. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So if we go back to the beginning, if you've not been here, you could go back and listen on the podcast if you want to. But nothing too deep yet. Galatians chapter 1, you see really clear that Paul writes these Galatian churches, that he's upset, he's angry, he's sad, that these people that he knew, that he loved, they were falling for false gospels. And he explained to them the folly of their ways. He explained to them why he could be trusted. He said very clear in Galatians 1 that, hey, I could preach to please men, but my task is not to please men. My task is to please God. And he tells them why he can be trusted. And he just encourages them to to listen to the true gospel. And then last week, last week we dove a little bit deeper. And last week he reminds them of how he called out Peter. 
and how he, he exposed their prejudices and, and really their racism and how the gospel is for anyone and everyone. And then he ended that chapter in one of the most beautiful ways, one of the most beautiful passages in the whole Bible. And he said, basically, the only way to overcome that is to do what he had done to be crucified with Jesus, to think, live and love like Jesus. Well, these next two chapters, I'm only going to go through Galatians chapter 3 today, but the, the next two chapters really just deals with what exactly they were dealing with. These, these people he was dealing with, you had one group of Judaizers, is what I would call them, Jewish converts. Then you had one group of people who were Gentiles like you and me. And what was going on, what really was happening, you had these Old Testament laws, specifically things you had to do to your flesh for Jews and food laws and things like that. And the Jewish converts were saying, hey, we'll welcome you Gentiles in, but if you want to follow a Jewish Jesus, well, you got to pick up the Jewish practices. And Paul, like you saw last week, Paul says, no, 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 that's not the case. Christ fulfilled the law. Things are different now. And in Galatians chapter 3, he dives a little bit deeper into that. And like I said, it's a little bit deep, but I'm going to try to simplify it this morning. I'm going to try to make things simple like my mama made it simple. So we're going to begin in Galatians chapter 1 and read the first nine verses. You can see his anger right in the first part of this. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So Paul calls them out. He asks them questions and he calls them foolish. And I read this and I can just relate it to my mother. I can almost hear my mother say it this morning. Kevin, you know better. You know better than this, Kevin. What are you thinking? You know better than to be out so late. I have rules. I have a curfew. Now, I don't know about how it was in your family, but how it worked in my family. My dad was more the enforcer of the rules, but it seemed to be like my mom made more rules. But I can hear my mom saying this. You know better than to be out so late. And I did. You know better. I, I heard Carissa say this yesterday to Jeremiah, who's only four years old. You know better than to push your sister. He does, even though he's four years old. You know better than to hang upside down out of that tree. A decision that ended up costing me a broken arm. You know better. I've heard that so many times. And you know what? Paul was telling these Galatians the same thing. You know better. You know better than to think salvation can come through anything else but the blood of Jesus. He poses them questions. He says, I just want to know this. 
This, this is the only thing I want to know for you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Were you saved because of anything you did? Were you saved because of something you ate? Or were you saved when you accepted Jesus as your Savior? I could pose the same question to you this morning. I only want to know this, church. Were you saved when you started coming to church? Were you saved when you were baptized? When did your life change? And if the answer is anything but when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the answer is wrong because that's not the gospel. And that's what Paul was saying here. So that's the question this morning. You know better. Christians, you should know better than this. Christians, if you've received Jesus as your, as your Savior, you should know better than to think anybody is good enough to make it to heaven by themselves. You should know better. We all should know better than to think anybody can be perfect. When we realize that, man, our relationships are stronger. You should know better than to think you can be perfect. You should know better than to think that anyone else doesn't need Jesus. So Christians, let's just begin at that point this morning, just as Paul told them. Listen to Paul. Listen to the words of the Holy Bible. And reflect on your mother's words today. You should know better than to be deceived by what others say when they say anything different than the gospel. It goes right back, right back to what we talked about two weeks ago. Prosperity gospel, progressive gospel, any kind of gospel, but the true gospel is a false gospel. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're a Christian, when certain people knock on your door, you should be able to tell them confidently, I know better. I know better. But let's read on in verse 15. Let's read these few verses in verses 15 through 18. Talking to Christians again, because he says brethren. He says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seeds were the promises made. And he does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So listen, what, what this is saying here, Paul's speaking in legal terms in a way that they can understand, but he's basically saying, listen, God keeps his promises. And the promise wasn't for a law to come. The promise was for Jesus to come. God keeps his promises. You know, one of the first biblical truths that my mom taught me. I mean, one of the first things I remember learning, and it's amazing. I'm seeing it now with Jeremiah. One of the first things that he has learned is when he sees a rainbow that reflects God's promises. My mom taught me that God does not break his promises. And that's exactly what Paul was saying here. Listen, God doesn't break his promise. He doesn't break his promises. And let me just tell you, it kind of goes away from the text a little bit, but let me just encourage you Christians. We've got so many promises, just like we sing, standing on the promises of God. Praise the Lord, if you have Jesus, you have a promise of peace. No matter who's president, no matter who's in Congress, no matter what's going on in the world, you have a promise of peace that surpasses all understanding because you have a relationship with Jesus. You've got a promise of love. 
Guess what? If all your relationships are in the toilet, if you are a Christian, you still have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, just like Paul referred to in Galatians 2, because he loved me. I don't believe Paul was very popular at this point, but he was one to lay his popularity all down because he was loved. Listen, that's, that's a beautiful promise. You're loved. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved even more, even more than your mama loved you. Jesus loves you that much, even more. And listen, man, if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, as a Christian, you were promised eternity. You were promised heaven. Man, isn't that just one of the greatest promises of all? God keeps his promises. But Paul was saying here, Really what he was saying here is that the promise, the intent of God, God's vision of all of this was to have a Messiah to come. Not to have just one chosen people, but to have a nation for many. That's what, that's what he's saying here. He's like, listen, God's intent was not just for the Israelites. God's intent was for all of you this morning. God's intent is for everybody you can see when you leave these doors. The law... It's not the Savior. Good works is not the Savior. I saw a quote by Vody Bachman this morning, and he said it's so perfect. He said, you better believe that people are in hell who who's, doesn't smoke, who doesn't curse, and maybe even have been baptized because they are trusting in their works and not in Jesus. Today, we could say the same thing today. It's been 2,000 years since this letter was written, but I'm telling you, we could say the same thing. People are believing that church attendance takes the place of the Messiah. Baptism takes the place of the Messiah. The Lord's Supper takes the place of the Messiah. But listen, it all comes back to these words right here. All of these things we participate in are good. It's great. But the truth is, it all points to a Savior. It is not the Savior. Look in verse 18. He says, if the inheritance is of the law. If we're going to heaven, if we're going to be part of God's family because of the law, well, it's no longer because of the promise. God gave it to Abraham by a promise. It's the Messiah. It's not the law. Something I've always struggled with when I was a little boy. I didn't really understand the Old Testament, especially these things like the law so much. But when you study it, when you really study the Old Testament, you'll, you'll discover that it's not altogether different than the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, salvation and justification has always came through faith. If you read in verse 6, Paul reminded them, Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Salvation has always came through faith. It's not came through works. So now Paul has got a really difficult job. Now he's got to try to explain to them what the point of the law even was. Well, if... If Jesus is enough, if we're all seeds of Abraham, what's the point of the law? So let, let's read what he says about that. And like I said, you can go read and you can read commentaries and study and study and study and probably still have questions. But I think he does a pretty good job here. In verses 19, 19 through 25, he says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. It was added because of their sins. It was given to Moses. 
It says, Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which we would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. A lot of big words here. And you think it's, it's not as hard to understand as you would think. He's trying to explain to them what's the point of all this stuff. And as I read this and I put it in a Mother's Day context, I've often asked myself the same questions growing up. Silly things that my mom put into place, silly laws to me. I had a bedtime. Well, why have I got to go to bed earlier than you? That didn't make sense to me. I was forced to go to church even when I didn't want to. All these other kids ain't got to go to church. Why have I got to go to church? I was expected to do chores. That was a word I hated. I hated that word. I remember thinking, well, what do we live in? A little house on the prairie? Couldn't stand that word. I asked my wife's family this week, did y'all have silly rules like my family had? And out of her siblings, the ones I asked, Stephanie, Stephanie won. She, she just listed all kinds of silly rules that she thought anyway. She said, no soda is after 2 p.m. If it doesn't have sleeves, I'm not allowed to wear it. No pajamas outside. One hour of internet a day. Had to read at least 30 minutes a day. Rules, rules that seemed really silly at the time. But now that we're adults and we look back, aren't you thankful for them rules that mom laid down? Aren't you thankful that mama had an insight to what was to come in your life? Paul was explaining to them it was the same way. Now that faith had come, now that Jesus was come, this stuff's not needed anymore. And the same was true for the Old Testament law. It was given to Moses specifically for the Israelites. So he had to explain to them the purpose of the law. It was not for salvation. It was for their own good. It was for their holiness. It was to protect them. And it was to show them their need for a Savior. Listen. Mom wanted me, and if you had a good mom, mom wanted you to be ready for adulthood. Mom wanted you to be good citizens. Mom wanted you to reflect her household well. And when you think about it, that's the same thing for God and His children. God wanted the same for His children, the Israelites, thousands upon thousands of years ago. Mom's law pointed towards adulthood. God's law pointed towards a Savior. Now listen to me this morning. This is, this is what it all comes down to. This is where the two meet today. This is where the Old Testament law and mom's law meet. For the Christian mom, for the Christian mom, her leadership, her rules, those they, though they sounded silly, though they were a burden to us, did the same thing that Moses' leadership did. Those laws that, that the Israelites had to follow, just like the laws that I had to follow with my mom, they did the same thing. They pointed the children towards Jesus. Listen, as much, as much as my mom loved me, and as much as your mama loved you, she could not give you what you need more than anything else. 
And as much, as much as God loves you, as much as God loves you, as much as He wants you to be holy, as much as He wants you to go to heaven, He can't just give it to you. You've already done every, He's already done everything He can do. You have to take it. You have to say, Lord, you're right. I accept that gift. The law can't save. Mom's rules can't save. But they can and they do point to your need for a Savior. And if your mom was anything like my mom, it did just that, didn't it? Didn't it do that? All the rules my mom laid down, the ones I I broke and the rules I kept, her intent, at least I believe her intent all along, was, to, was for Kevin to find Jesus. It, I mean, sure, she had other things in mind. Sure, she wanted me to reflect her well. Sure, she wanted me to stay out of prison. But ultimately, she knew for that to happen and for that to be effective, it relied not on Kevin following the rules. It relied on Kevin finding Jesus. Well, let's end the chapter this morning. And I know I'm going fast, but I really I want you to get this as, as fast as you can and as good as you can. In verse 26, talking to everybody now, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, There's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise of salvation. The promise of salvation is for everyone. Anyone and everyone. Whether you kept the law. Some of you might be here this morning and you may have been a rebel without a cause. You may have broke every single one of your mama's rules. Well, guess what? That promise is still to you. Salvation is still available to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you didn't have a law. Maybe you didn't have a mama at all. Maybe you had a bad mom. Well, guess what? That promise is still available to you. Maybe you're like me and you had a God-fearing Christian mom. Listen, she can't save you, but she pointed you towards a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you had an agnostic mom. Maybe you had no mom. Maybe you had a foster mom. Maybe you had an adopted mom. Whatever category you fall into, Jesus came for all. He lived for all. And He died for all. And just like you see Paul right here, we all have a promise of salvation through Jesus. We sing that song that is a question. We sing it all the time, and that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. It really, that's what this, this book is whole, all about, really, all Galatians. What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my sin? For the Jews, they believed the works. All these things that I can do can wash away my sins. There's some... In Franklin Parish, they asked that question, what can wash away my sins? And the answer might be knocking on enough doors. It might be reading through the Bible in a year. It might be speaking in different languages. It might be this. It might be that. And Paul is saying, no, no. 
What can wash away my sins? What can, can make me right? The times I let mama down, the times I broke my mama's heart, the times I broke God's heart, what can wash away my sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That was the gospel that Paul talked about. That's the gospel that I'm sharing this morning. And that's the gospel that redeems you, that sanctifies you, that justifies you, and gets you into a holy place that you don't belong. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, not because of rules that the Jews used to be under. So how about it this morning? How about it? Are, are you believing in Jesus? Just like Paul opened with the question, when did life change for you? When did it change for you? If you are a Christian, when I ask that question, your mind should go back and you should say, man, my life was changed when I accepted Jesus. It was not changed when you were baptized. It was not changed when you, when, when you joined the church. It was not changed when, when you rededicated your life. It was changed when you trusted Jesus. So listen, have you trusted Jesus? Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know about the gospel, and I hope you have a happy, happy Mother's Day.